Welcome to the Pop Bonsai Podcast, where we curate a pop culture adventure just for you. With me is my bonsai brother in arms, Jay Castro. How are you doing, Jay? Hello, I'm doing pretty good, Travis. Yeah, you hanging in there this week? Barely. Yeah. Barely hanging on. Man, I am excited for this podcast today. I've been thinking about this all week. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, and you you probably saw in your podcast CD, this is the first of the podcast. So we are surfing these uncharted waters together, Jay. The maiden voyage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got my wetsuit on. I don't know. I, you didn't put on a wetsuit, which I thought was, we, we got to get on the same page. Uh, just Arizona, the Speedo. I yeah, just, just the speedo. speedo. That's probably more comfortable. In Arizona, it's like, what, like 115? Well, if it wasn't leather. It would be, you know. <laughs> Do you, like, Arizona, it's got to be super hot right now, right? Like, what, is it like 110? Um, yeah, it, it, it 110 plus, you know, it's it's bad. I, in uh, in Japan here, I'm, I'm in Tokyo, and one of the things that I've been dealing with this year that I haven't ever had to deal with is mold, because it gets so humid. And just mold everywhere. And I opened up this closet where I keep all my clothes, coats in, I get this like musty mothball smell, which I actually like. I like that kind of <sighs> musty smell. And so I was like, I was just drinking it in. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. And I looked and I had a couple of leather jackets. You mentioned leather earlier. And I was like, just covered in mold. Like there, there's no fixing what? this. Yeah, yeah. Just like just it looked like someone dipped it like in Roger Rabbit style. Like what do they call it? The dip just dipped it in like a vat of mold, pulled it out. And I'm like, man. I've had this leather jacket since I was a senior in high school. It's time to go. And so, w- why is this different? Like, what ch- what's changed? Is it like a freak occurrence? Like a freak? No, it just occurrence? in the in the summertime, it just gets so humid. And normally in the summer, I, I take off and go traveling somewhere, so I turn like you know the ACs down to kind of a mild level. But it's hot, so I got my ACs blaring. And then when you have the humidity, that's a bad combination, brother. <laughs> Like it just, it just breeds mold. So I have a, I have some dehumidifiers in here that are supposed to do the job, but I don't know, man, I gotta, I gotta find this. That's where we're, we're talking mold today on the Pop Bonsai <laughs> podcast. Never know what directions. Yeah, go. exactly. No, we actually are talking about something today. We have a, I got my coffee mug here because I feel like it's very thematic. Uh, one, it's coffee time for me. Two, we're talking about diners today yes yeah and that's my favorite part of a diner is coffee um mine's probably pie Uh, it's funny you you mentioned pie and coffee to me uh so let's get into kind of talking about our 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 big idea this week as we we use pop culture to to go on an adventure together with you the listeners so this week we decided that we wanted to talk about diners kind of throw ourselves into the world of diners if you will uh and use kind of pop culture as a, a platform to talk about that so we're going to be talking about the 19 um 1982 movie i believe um Mm -hmm. by barry levinson uh called diner very appropriate we're gonna be talking (laughs) about tom waits album 1975 album nighthawks at the diner and then we're gonna be talking about our experience with diners just kind of in general diners um and so my one of my favorite things about diners to me i love americana i love nothing nothing screams americana more to me than like an old school diner and the right. two things in a diner that scream uh, diner to me the most are coffee and pie. Right. No doubt. Uh, 
And it's got to be coffee in like a thick white mug. If you have a dish on it, even better. <laughs> like it has to have that sound of that clinking sound of a thick white mug on a, on a nice it's, dish. It's a very distinct sound. Yeah. yeah. And just like the whiteness and the contrast of the coffee. You put a little cream in there if you want. And then pie. And I'm not a pie guy. I don't like pie very much. I love the idea of pie, though. I feel like it is the most <laughs> romantic thing in the world. Coffee and pie might be the most romantic idea in the world. Just like you want to go get some coffee and pie? It's close, man. It's very yeah. close. Yeah, you also have to have the 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 clinging and clanging of of silverware and and dishes in the in the kitchen, you know, to have the full diner effect as well. You know? Oh, absolutely! But, a uh, a metal spoon stirring a porcelain coffee cup—that's like my ASMR. Like I'll fall asleep <laughs> to that, just like that kind of ringing. <sighs> I got a Pavlovian response. I immediately want to light up a cigarette. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah. Just chill. Yeah. Speaking of chilling, we're going to talk about, I think we should get into maybe the entree of this Bonsai adventure first, which is Barry Levinson's 1982 film Diner. What did, have you, had you, had you seen Diner? I had not seen it. I've heard of it, of course, because yeah. of all the people that are in it. And I knew it was a very a seminal film, especially in all, in all these people's career. I mean, it was, it's like one of the all time, like, um, like buddy movie, you know, yeah. you got, you know, you, you hear big chill, you hear diner, you hear stand by me, um, you know, these movies. Um, and, and this was the only one I hadn't seen for some reason. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. These kind of, so like diner follows, basically we got, Oh, we got about five characters Eddie, Shrevy, Boogie, and Fen Fennec and Billy. And they're kind of, they're kind of, I guess it's kind of navigating. It's like second puberty is the way I'm describing these types of films. Like you said, <laughs> with the big chill or, you know, that that kind of vibe uh, where it it's, it's hyper-masculine in, in a lot of ways. Um, but it's kind of like the the second male puberty we think you know you hit puberty whatever it is and then you go through high school you graduate high school you go out to college but then there's this phase kind of in life in your late 20s early 30s which i think they don't really go into the age of these characters but i think that's you you think they're like what what's the age you put these guys at um they have to be either really late teens or early 20s because they're either going into college or yeah. they just started Right. It's tough to pick the ages because these actors were we were introduced to you're a little older than me. So you were introduced to them a little bit earlier, but they've always been like middle age to me. Mm -hmm. So even though even <laughs> like even the actors in 82, they might have been like in their mid 20s. But to me, they always seem like perpetually 35. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like Especially Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Mickey yeah. Rourke, Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser looks like the same. Like last 10 years, like Stranger Things, Paul Reiser has changed a little bit, but <laughs> he's, he looks the same as he did in Aliens, uh, as he did in Mad About You. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I guess they're maybe like in their early 20s, uh, latest mid 20s. Yeah. And it's, they're hanging on to their youth. They're hanging on to the like hanging out. They're hanging on to their old habits of like watching sports, hanging out, talking shit at the diner. Uh, and this movie kind of they each have their own little arc. And each yeah. of their arcs is like, 
how are you going to move into that next phase? Yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it. Yeah. All those, all these, uh, coming of age movies, you know, like, uh, like stand by me was, was the, the, you know, they're, they're moving from out of junior high and into high school. And, um, what was the other one we, I mentioned, um, this diner they're moving in they're moving from like high school to like young adulthood even the big chill they're moving from from what i remember like like middle age into like adulthood like real adulthood because i don't honestly i don't really feel like one reaches adulthood till at least like 35 you know yeah yeah, I'm 36. I'm still waiting for it. Like, like <laughs> I'm waiting for it like my first pube. Like, I'm just like, every day I every wake day up, just... I pull down my pants, I look down, and I'm like, nope, not yet, not yet. <laughs> like, like, we were talking about mold. Like, that, like, shit like that makes me feel like 36, where I'm like, I guess the first, the first three hours of the day, I'm battling mold. Like, as a child, I'm never like, you know what's going to be a real problem in my life? Mold. <laughs> Someday this leather jacket is gonna get all moldy. Yeah, I'm just crying over <laughs> over my leather jacket. I'm like, nothing in life stays. Like I'm a, I'm an outsider. Like with my leather jacket, I'm like, nothing gold can stay, pretty boy. <laughs> oh, that's another one. Yeah. That's another one right there. Yeah, yeah. Rumblefish. Uh, yeah, and 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 outsiders. Yeah. So I like that. I like I like these kind of second coming of age, the second coming of age movies, mm -hmm. uh, because it's more realistic. I think sometimes like some movies like Sandlot or Stand By Me, it's like and I love a good coming of age uh, story. And there, it might be my favorite genre um, to delve into. They always, always tears. To me, nothing is more tragic then when a kid crosses that threshold and it's always done in a way that you celebrate you're like this was a big deal but to me it's like there's no going back like there's no right. getting back that innocence uh but i think we make the mistake sometimes of thinking like oh holden caulfield is now an adult you know the uh mazel tov, holden like you're good you can go out into the world but really it's more like you said that slow burn and we don't really maybe ever feel like adults certainly uh uh in our 20s we think we're adults like these guys in the movie but we don't yeah i mean you know not even just coming of age it's to me what's always sad is like the end of the era mm. like it's the end of this time in these people's lives and like you said it's never going to be the same your friendships with these people are never going to be the same the way they were the last four or five years you know people are going to drift apart um it's just that's what always makes me sad like gosh i wish this you know could stay like this forever like you know if, if you if you were to tell me in in high school that my four best friends i'm i'm not gonna see anymore they're gonna move to different states and i'm not gonna talk to them anymore that would kill me yeah you know, and, and I you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe no, it. You, no, you'd be I, like, I, you're I crazy. I swore. I'm like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And it did. Yeah. You know, they all moved everywhere. Yeah. Like, like that moment you want to last. It's like that cheesy song was like Lifehouse, like in the like the <laughs> late 90s. I'm hanging by a moment here with you. Letting go of my I'm sorry. I, I did not think on the first episode of the podcast I'd be singing Hanging by a Moment, but I had a feeling. I had a yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wrote it down. Like, ah, good. Travis Mason Lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Lifehouse. <laughs> 
it's all the same. Chop it off quick. <laughs> yeah. So what? Okay. So we each of these guys um, uh, has their own um, kind of moment going in here. So we, you know, again, Eddie, Shri, uh, Shrevi, Boogie, Fenwick, Billy. Which of those? Which of those? Those conflicts. Uh, or which of those did you relate to in this viewing, in your first viewing of it, of of which one did you, which of the guys did you kind of gravitate to to as far as what they were dealing with? Not necessarily their performance. We could talk about that in a little bit. Well, definitely wasn't Mickey Rourke. <laughs> as much as I wish it no was. Boogie? Yeah. Uh, it definitely wasn't that. Um, so you had, okay, so you had Mickey Rourke, which was the kind of like the, the, like the, uh, well, he was definitely the cool guy of the bunch, always taking risks. He always got the girls, you know, not me. Uh, yeah. Kevin Bacon, which was kind of like the the poor little rich boy who had a trust fund and he was lost in life. Again, yeah, he, he had just no direction. He didn't know what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, probably like the, the, the person I, I related to the most was was probably uh, Daniel Stern's character and not, not because I was married, but because I, I just always felt like even like in my own group of friends, like, like an outsider, like I never really fully engaged in everything everyone else was. Cause he's, he's, he's not as cool as the other guys. Right. Um, He's even like almost cuckolded at some point, uh, which is yeah. by Mickey Rourke's character almost comes in and cuckolds him. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> you are not afraid to make your characters unlikable at all, Levinson. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, he is kind of on the outside. But I, I, you know, I thought I'm like, oh, I was going to ask you about being married. And because there are some he has uh, some great lines. Shrevi is his character's name, the Daniel Stern character. And he has some great lines about marriage. He's like, at first it's all about sex. You know, it's, it's like sex all the time, you know, but then it's just not, but here's why I, I'm, I'm going to put something on you. And I, I maybe one of the, it's one of the best scenes in the movie, one of the best lines in the movie. And it has to do a, a lot with, I think our, our kind of taste. And I, I liked it so much that I pulled it up. He talks about, mm-hmm. he's talking, uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sh- uh, Shrevi is talking with his, his wife, uh, and, um, she says, um, uh, Shrevi says, okay, he's got these albums out and he's berating her about not putting these albums back into place. And she goes, who cares, Shrevi? Like, I don't care. And he goes, you never ask me what's on the flip side of an album. And he goes, okay. So now ask me what he pulls out an album. He goes, okay. So ask me what's on the flip side. And then Beth, the wife goes, why? And Shrevi goes, just, just ask me what's on the flip side. Okay. So Beth says, what's on the flip side? And he goes, hey, 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 1958 specialty records. See, you don't ask me things like that, do you? No, you never ask me what's on the flip side. And to me, that scene just encapsulates so much of what I struggle with in a relationship between my buddies and my romantic relationship and what you get from one and what sometimes is lacking in the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that... that- <laughs> when the, during that scene um it wasn't quite that bad but i remember there's this 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 french um garage punk band called the no talents and um they released their lp it was back in the 90s and 
the, it was an import because it was it was on a French label, and and they got it at a local record store here, and I was super excited, and I know that it had come on different colored vinyl, and when I opened mine up, it was not only just a the colored vinyl, but it was it had like glitter all through the LP. And I'd never heard of that before. I'm like, right. holy crap, this is the coolest thing ever. Anyway, fast forward to a couple of years into my marriage. my When I wasn't home, my wife was playing that record with her friends, took the album out of the sleeve, dropped it, and, and broke it. Like the whole LP, like broke in half. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I know. Anyway, so when I was when I was watching that, I'm like, this seems strangely familiar. When he's like, you can't put Charlie Parker in rock. Charlie yeah, yeah. Parker's jazz. What is wrong? Well, where's Charlie you? Parker go? It goes in jazz. It goes in jazz. He's so upset. <laughs> he's the greatest saxophonist of all time. <laughs> like, don't touch my records. Yeah, it, it, like, if you're gonna me, break them, don't touch them. To me, it reminded me so much of High Fidelity, not just because of the vinyl stuff, but where he talks about how it's not about um, what you are as so much as uh, what you like. These things are important, like the the albums and stuff that we listen to are important. And to me, that scene, like uh, now that I saw, you know, Diner and, and saw that scene again, uh, I'm sitting there. I'm like, ooh, that that's very High Fidelity to me. That's, that's I got very that. I got that as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so the, your your original question though, um, I okay. So I I learned early on that a relationship to to me, um, in 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 a girlfriend is so much more fulfilling if 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 I just not put up any kind of front and just. And just be who I am, the same person with 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 my girlfriend than I am with my you know male friends, and it was just a lot easier on both of us because you know there wasn't always the you know oh, I need to be on my best behavior I need to be you know oh, I can't say this in front of her I that's only so you know it's it's then you start resenting one party or the other you know and and so when i met my wife i made it a, a point to to just try to be myself as much as i possibly could and not hide or not try to you know make anything just not to shine out the dark points you know you didn't replace your spider-man sheets before she came over you're like no, you know what no. they stay on they stay right. on yeah, yeah, yeah that's right right that's exactly <laughs> you know um so to me so that there was never that problem with me um but i know it happens a lot i i get it like i i get that sense and i'm i'm getting better at that as i as i'm getting older and i'm i'm experimenting with longer relationships and staying with it there is this sense i think from both people and i don't like i don't like receiving it uh either where someone you're they're excited about the relationship then they're excited about you so they want to share the things they like with you and so i found myself you know going on dates where it's like oh i guess i you know they're talking about a book and they recommend it so you got to go read this book and it's not your thing but they want to talk about it or they 
they they like doing like the going out and do and and dancing and be like that's not really my thing so there's a compromise where every now and then you you've got to put yourself into it but because i realize i don't really like receiving it i try not to put it out there i i'm just, i'm not i'm not like hey you should go read this comic book or you know like uh we should watch this movie and so for like shrevy the character his outlet is with his friends he has that time and there's a scene in there with that daniel stern character where you see him, he takes his wife out with the guys and basically ignores her, right? Mm -hmm. And ignores her wishes. She's like, are we going to go get something to eat now? He's like, nah, I'm not feeling it. Are we going to go to the movie? No, nah, I don't want to see that. Well, we're going to go see this movie. Or like, I'm not going to see that movie with you again. You can go take what your friend, you know? So his character really seems to be uh, struggling with um, enjoying both his time with his friends and also enjoying time with his wife and marrying those two worlds together is a challenge for him. And yeah. at the end of the movie where they're at, at the wedding, you know, there's, you, you, you get a sense that he's getting better at it when he says, let's go to the Poconos this summer, like 10 days. And you know that like 10 days with just him and his wife is a lot for him. Right. And he's reaching out. And so there is that, you know, that, epiphany moment that climax in each of these characters where they have a moment where we don't know if they're gonna be okay if they're gonna overcome it but they but they uh will you know yeah so, so yeah i mean that there's that part where um i gosh i don't remember but ellen barkin's character was was telling mickey rourke you know i don't know um i don't have any, any sense of myself anymore i don't know who i am um and i think that happens a lot in, in relationships i think um, you know, people put so much effort into making it work. And when you do that, I think you close off a lot of parts to yourself and not even realizing it, maybe even subconsciously. It's the same thing with when people have kids, you know, if people say, oh, well, my whole life is my kids, my whole, you know, why? Because right. then you turn out like this, where you have right. no identity, you have no sense of self, and you you... I feel like a lot of people even end up resenting their, their family life because they lost it. Right. But he, but you know, here I am, I'm still, you know, here sitting here with Travis podcasting, I, you know, I'm st I still go to comic book stores. I still collect action figures. I still collect, you know, punk records, I still go to punk shows. You can't lose that. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't lose that sense of self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. I, I, it's absolutely, absolutely correct. I mean, and these, at least Daniel Stern's character, you know, that, that and uh, as you said, uh, what, what was the actress's name? I forget. Uh, Ellen was, Barkin. Ellen Barkin is, uh -huh. it's even amplified more the fact that this is set in the 1950s, where it's, especially as a woman, it's like, no, you're married. You take your husband's name. I mean, even one of the, we got to talk about this, switching gears, Steve Gutenberg is the one getting married. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, so it's this whole, story is kind of set around everyone kind of coming back together for this wedding of Steve Gutenberg character, Eddie. And Eddie is making his wife take <laughs> a, like a 150 question quiz on the Baltimore, I guess they were the Colts at this point, yeah, uh, yeah. football team. And if she doesn't pass, like get a 65%, then the marriage is off. And it's such a great, like, it's such a great fun but like also kind of tense. That, that's what's so funny about it. Yeah. It was so tense. Yeah. Know? 
there and you you never see the wife until maybe the wedding and i don't even know if you see you her don't at the wedding. you still you don't, don't. You, she has her face turned uh, or her yeah. back turned towards the camera and all you all you see is when she throws the, yeah. the veil oh you, this levinson has made it clear this is this is a movie about the guys you know right. uh yeah, yeah, except yeah. for barkin's character which is the only female who really has a real turn uh in this um but to me, that is like I'm watching that scene and I'm like, it's funny, but it's also so tragic at the same time. And they put these guys in a basement. All the guys are, are nervous because they want they're all rooting for the girl. You know, everyone's rooting for this girl. But see, Gutenberg's using this game as a way to to if he wants back out of the wedding. That's kind of what I thought, too. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I'm, I'm like. He's he's going to use it as an excuse to back out because they talked to him about it. And he's like, eh, yeah, I'm getting married. Uh, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I got that exact same sentiment. Yeah. That. So, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, so if would, if, if you were to give a, a potential uh, a Mrs. Rats, oh. a, qu a quiz, what, what would that question. consist of? Excellent question. Um, wow. Okay. So it has to be something where it's like, okay, if you're going to, if we're going to be spending all this time together, if we're going to live on the same roof, if we're going to these late night conversations like this, I've, I've got to get this out. We've got to be able to discuss this. And, you know, I do, we do, uh, we, we both like comic books. We both like music, but I think that it would be, it's, it's general, but you, you got to be able to talk, talk film. You got to be able to 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 talk film uh, and like see have seen like be okay with watching stuff that isn't you know like let's go back and watch some of this old stuff or let's talk about because I could sit and talk about like an actor I could talk about Mickey Rourke for like three hours and not be bored yeah. you know um, and so there has to be some kind of film knowledge or at least film interest or passion uh, because. You know, that is something, you know, I'm I like to go out on adventures, but I also like to be a homebody and being a homebody is where you're with someone else. And so being able to watch a movie and then go eat pie and have coffee at a diner and talk about it for like two hours. To me, it's a perfect, perfect night. I don't need it all the time, but I need someone who's going to be like, OK, do you know what a cinematographer is? OK, <laughs> who are your five favorite directors? Right. Um you know, like, uh, uh, what deck you like, you understand that like Westerns were really popular, that musicals were really popular and be able to, to talk about that. Uh, and it would be fun coming up with that test. What about yeah. you? What would, what would your test be? Well, so here's the thing. Um, being married for, um, as, as long as I have, we got married in, in 99 and, I used to think that, um, you know, having a wife or, or a girlfriend that shared the same music taste, same um, film taste, whatever, and she does, but um, we both kind of started to, I, I, I don't, I didn't want like a mini me, you know, I, I wanted somebody that, that had an appreciation for film and 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 books but maybe have their own carve out their own stream and and and, and so to me like the, the most important thing is is that she may not need to like the exact same things but 
she needs to learn. She needs to learn. But I want, I would like, if I were to. to I was going to say, I was going to say, Jay, you're copying out of this answer. Fuck you. No, 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 <laughs> like, no, 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 no. no I wouldn't no. give a woman a test because I love her and I want her to be her own woman. <laughs> no, no. But <laughs> the ability to, to like it, to yeah. get it, you know, I don't, I, somebody that's just, you know, that's not going to, that's, you know, not going to get anything. I, I, you know, is because you, you lose that art of conversation right there. It's dead. It's almost like your challenge would be like, I want you to come up with a test of something you're passionate about and give it to me. And you don't have to pass it, but just like based on the questions, you'd be like, oh, she's really passionate about this because I could tell by her questions, you know? Yeah. It right, would have to of, be kind of a cop out, but I'll allow it. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I'll elaborate. It, it, but so if I were to give a, a test, it would have to be just a general pop culture thing you know yeah. it would have to be like a general like like uh you know what's your favorite rolling stone song yeah what's who your host who hosted uh nickelodeon's double dare <laughs> <laughs> you know uh who who's your favorite ghostbuster you know right who, right yeah yeah who, you know, who's your favorite tonight show hosts i don't know you know yeah. just, and and as long as the fundamentals are there I can, I can creep in my, you know, Mr. T experience or, you know, yeah. and then when I do, but Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was, that was a, that was not a give me question. That was like a, like a bonus. Yeah. yeah. So my, yeah, you know, fundamentals are important. And, and as long as the ability to, to understand and appreciate and, and converse about themes um, then it's cool, you know, it's yeah. I I think the character that I, I responded to the most to with where they're at and this point in viewing it would be uh Kevin Bacon's character, Fenwick. Um, he's this kind of guy who's just he's lashing out, he's kind of abusing himself because he just has no direction. Uh at one yeah. one of one of my favorite lines that I wrote down of his is you know they're they're driving. They're coming back early in the morning. It's it's now it's now dawn, and they're driving past this field, and they see the the woman on the horse, and they're like, "Well, who's this girl coming from?" And then Fennec, he's kind of a little bit boozed out. He's real sleepy. Great, great Kevin Bacon performance in this movie. One of my favorite Kevin Bacon performances. And he says, "Do you ever feel there's something going on that we don't know about?" Yeah, that was a great line. And it kind of came out of nowhere, and it didn't necessarily fit per se on the surface level to a lot of the other themes in this, in this story. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. It didn't really fit the situation, but it just, it, it just got into his mind and where his state of mind is, where he's this curious guy. We saw him when he was watching the, the trivia show and he was getting all the answers. I you know? know. Yeah. And which was, which wasn't his introduction. It was like, we're introduced to him as this drunk prankster, uh rebellious character punching out windows you know flipping his car over pretending he's dead um you know wanting to just like go with girls and and things like that and and i thought that his character to me he's like i just want to go to europe you know i almost can go travel around europe he he was the most uh kind of uh beatnik of them um right which we'll talk oh, about right. when we talk about nighthawks at the diner <laughs> um which Leaves us. I, I think we can kind of skip over uh, 
um, Tim Daly's character, Billy. I mean, he's he, kind of like the every man kind of yeah, thing. You know? Yeah. He's, he, he was the least charming to me. He was the one I was least engaged with. Um, we kind of use him as a sounding board, but we got to talk about Mickey Rourke. Okay. Yes. We sure. got to talk about Mickey Rourke. Here's one of the things I love. This is like, like primo Mickey Rourke, like Pope of Greenwich Village. And this movie are like, when I think about Mickey Rourke and Mickey Rourke has this way of delivering dialogue where if you put on like, uh, 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 like, you know, they talk about Johnny Mathis, Johnny Mathis record. <laughs> he has this kind of, I don't know who, who stole it from who, but Bruce Willis die hard delivery where he's like, um, you know, like, you know, he traded you for like $5. Like, you're going to go with him for like five. It's just it's really like kind of calm. Like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we can get together tonight. Maybe we don't get together. It reminded me so much of like, yeah, come out to the coast, have a few laughs, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And it's that kind of smooth, cool guy. Like all the volume, all the dialogue in this was like really kind of not low, but everyone, no one was amped in this, except for yeah, maybe yeah. Kevin Bacon's character at times. And Mickey Rourke just has this way of delivering dialogue where it's just like, it's just, it's, I'm a cool guy, you know, I'm, you know, it's Baltimore and I love it. First of all, the hair. Mm -hmm. I think Mickey Rourke's hair in itself um, is re directly responsible for 21 Jump Street. Yes, yes. Um, and, and yeah, the voice is, he's just so soft spoken. And, you know, I wouldn't, I'm, I can never be that, you know, because the, these kinds of guys that he, that he portrays, you know, the softer he speaks, the more people want to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, me, if I speak soft, people just ignore me. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah but yeah. there's like that. They know and they go, the spotlights on them. So they don't have to, they don't have to be, right. you know, you know, you know, animated or whatever. They just speak their mind and they do it calmly and collectively. And which allows, which juxtaposes like the big diner scene, right? The, I watched this movie maybe when I was 10, 15 years ago. And what the only thing I really remembered was the popcorn scene. We got to talk about this popcorn scene where you know he's like uh, you know he's 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 in debt he's trying to get money right so he's making all these crazy bets with his friends revolving around girls and one of the bets is like i'm gonna get like the most hottest popular girl a prudish girl in town touch my dick you know and so at the movie theater such a great scene they let it they let it like sit in it you're like Winsick, she's eating the popcorn so basically he puts his dick to the bottom of this popcorn thing um and i don't know if this was the first movie or pop culture thing to put that into place that's what i was thinking too yeah i don't know and it's so great the guys are looking over at him they're they're not they're you know chuckling they're like kevin bacon's like bets off he's mouthing it you know because he knows what's what's going on she touches it right gets up screams but i love how he goes out and like walks her back from it. He's like, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing, you know, but like, yeah, yeah, you're really hot, and I just got excited, <laughs> and, and the, it just popped up, and like the flap, and I was watching the movie, and the scene with a girl in the dress. Like, I'm sorry, but like, it's a compliment. Like, he's able, he's so cool, he's able to Hold walk back that situation. Yeah. I couldn't believe that either. And you know, it's funny though, 
because he's like it was an accident you know and she's yeah. like how is it an accident well i'm like there's no way there's no and, way and then he does and i'm like yeah. what <laughs> I, in my head i'm thinking you know it's 1950s you know sex isn't talked about as openly you know so someone a woman her a girl her age might not know about it like you might be able to get away with like yeah boners can do this you didn't know that you know like both <laughs> It's called boner for a reason. Like that shit gets hard, man. That will like flip into a popcorn box. So at first I'm like, come on, there's no way she's buying it. Yeah. And then I'm like, maybe she's just like naive on boners. <laughs> As most people in the 50s. And were. he's also like in his early 20s. So like, you know, like the things get a little like, like stuff happens in your early 20s. Things. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's raging. Yeah. You know, it's raging all over the place. As as we kind of like as we before we transition into talking about our next kind of diner related uh pop culture here, let's talk about diner in here. Is there enough diner in a movie called Diner for you in this in this movie? Um yeah, I think so. And, and you know what uh, what's kind of funny is a little tidbit I read is is Barry Levinson I guess shot all those diner scenes at the very end that he shot him last so that the actors could get as much rapport with each other as they possibly could. And then he shot the diner scenes, oh, which, makes, which sense. makes, yeah, it makes sense. And I think that was a pretty smart thing to do because I didn't question their rapport. Yeah. And he uses you know? a real diner that Fells diner in the movie. Yes, uh, is a real diner. It's part of it. He, he's done. I've seen another one of his Baltimore films, um, uh, uh, Liberty Heights. He did in the '90s, and Fells Diner. They actually go in there too. They've moved the actual diner, but I think you could still go to it in Baltimore. If I ever go to Baltimore, I, I definitely want to go to this yeah. diner. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I also I read that that he he made like a trilogy of of yeah like Avalon, Avalon, that. Ten Men. Liberty Heights and uh, uh, this film, Diner, yeah. are all oh, part of what's called the, the Baltimore series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you? What do you? So the diner, what? What you know? Like you're like, why does it around a diner in this movie? And to me, the diner here is a place for the guys to be themselves. I mean, they have conversations like like they're eating gravy fries and they're having conversations like, who's it better to make out to, Johnny Mathis or Frank Sinatra? You know, and Boogie's like, it's Elvis, you know, enough said. They're, they're, they're challenging, each, they're making stupid bets. They're watching a guy go through the whole left side of a diner menu, right? Uh, it's They are most themselves, the camaraderie is the most there at a diner. They're in that traditional diner. They have their booth. They know the guys who work there. This yeah. is their this is their clubhouse, yeah. you know? And I love that. And And to me, that seems to be what this movie is about, is like, how do we have a life out? It seems like they enjoy their life the most when they're in this clubhouse. So they're all trying to figure out ways to enjoy their life outside the diner more. Um, and I thought that the diner was a great setting for that. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. And in, so in, in, in my years, um, late teens, early twenties, we always used to go to the, to a diner or a 24 hour restaurant or whatever at like the end of the night, you know, we'd go to the, the party or the, or a show or whatever. And then we'd always end up at, at the, at, at Denny's or whatever at, you know, midnight, 11 midnight. And 
I almost looked for more forward to that than what we were actually going to do. Yeah. And, and th- that part where they all walked out and he's like, Oh man, it's four in the morning. It's like, I had many a night that's similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're kind of, they're going home and it's like, you know, it's already like the sun's coming up and, and it's like, that's great, man. It, yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Paul Reiser's character. Every time that happens, are you going this way? Just if you want to ride, just ask me for a ride, man. He's like, oh, I don't want to. I like, your, <laughs> I like your company. Like it's fine. Just, just you know, say what you want to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that 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 captured captured it beautifully. And I and I think it it's as we move into talking uh, about our next diner related thing. I think that encapsulates one of the cool aspects of an American diner is this clubhouse aspect. Um, so. I think I think a diner works well with a close knit group of friends as well as it works completely solo. It's this world where you fit in if you are completely alone, like the fat guy who's eating all that stuff, or if you're with a group of friends. Both of them are allowed at a diner as opposed to a bar, you know, or a club bar where you, if That's you went true. by yourself, it would be like, oh, this isn't, you know, it's not, it's not that place. And so it's this world where both these things can coexist. The lonely and the close-knit group of friends can sit like back-to-back in a booth, and both of them are just at home in that environment. Even even with like a date. Right, right, you know, right. You can take yeah. a date there. You can take all your friends there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, and that, I totally agree. And so our next thing we were talking about, because I think the next – diner related thing which is tom waits album nighthawks at the diner flips more towards the diner being an environment for the lonely for the out for the outcast like a late night coffee house yes exactly and so i think when we as we talk about this album we're, we're kind of we're shifting gears from that clubhouse diner to that that you know very aesthetic lonely aesthetic diner so what's your experience with with tom with tom waits um i (laughs) so the way i i discovered tom waits was there i was just flipping through um tv stations when i was gosh probably in my early 20s and i worked at a map store anyway so that's that that's coming up why that's relevant. So anyway, yeah. I, was, I was flipping through and it was on PBS and it was a Tom Waits concert on PBS. And I'm like, who's this? And that's a very, that's a very apropos place for a Tom Waits concert too. I PBS. <laughs> I, I know. I don't know what I was doing there, oh, yeah. but that's I was sat there and I watched him like, this is really bizarre because he would, he, it was a lot like Nighthawks. In fact, I don't know if it was or not, but he, he, you know, he, he had the whole character going, you know, the whole, like, like vagabond, yep. you know, type, uh, like, a uh, like profit wino kind of mm-hmm. guy, you know, that he plays. Yeah. Beat and he was doing Kar- that. Karawakian. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was playing that in, in that show. And, and so I, I, I was like, whatever. And, and I, changed after a while and and uh i asked my boss about who's he was i think he kind of was an old beatnik um because he 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 knew all about jazz and um like uh british invasion stuff and he used to drive like an old spitfire 
like an old 60s like british spitfire like a little red convertible but so i asked him i'm like were you by any chance watching pbs and and he's like yeah he goes did you catch that tom waits special they had i'm like yeah. is that who that was and and he gave me he lent me um a, a few of his records uh, to listen to and that's how i got hooked on to, to tom waits it's yeah, kind of random but. yeah yeah especially if it was did he give you the vinyls no no they're, they're cds but yeah. how about you how did you because I, I know he's like one of your favorites he is he's probably my favorite uh that's why you know like i think you know in our first kind of bonsai adventures we're kind of pairing things that maybe we haven't explored in a while we're kind of taking turns like hey i package this together let's let's watch together and you package one together and i think early on it's kind of like looking at things that we may have seen but didn't digest or things that we really love to digest we just haven't had a venue to talk about them and this is one of those things that i've really digested but i just i don't have anyone to like really talk about like sit down and talk about nighthawks um nighthawks to like to me the first person that really was dylan this is kind of an evolution from bob dylan you know you get into dylan and then you discover things that are dylan adjacent and so i probably discovered tom waits um i think it was someone was playing for me maybe the song the piano has been drinking i'm like what a fun kind of croony song and i was getting into sinatra i was getting i was getting into the american standards and it felt like a cross between sinatra and dylan and it was fun and it was kind of off the wall yet there was this kind of there was this tone to it and i love i love beatniks i love i love i love kerouac i was i was big into kerouac at that time and so i took it off from there and the thing about Tom Waits is there's so many different Tom Waits. There's like the Asylum Years. This is an Asylum Years record, which is very croony. And then you get into like the the late 80s and 90s stuff. And it's like, boom, da, boom, boom, da, da, boom, da. You know, like that. And that, to me, I love that sound, that experimental sound just as much. So uh, usually when I listen to Tom Waits, I'm usually listening to, I'm in an Asylum Years mood. Or I'm yeah. in like a post swordfish trombone mood, and like they both they both scratch a different itch in different ways. And to me, as a singer songwriter, the images he paints are like holy smokes! Like this is like you pulled this right from my head. These are all the things I love. The way he he turns a phrase, the things he looks at. We talked uh, off air about we both like antique stuff, antique language, antique imagery, antique environments. And, you know, Tom Waits just pulls these out. Yeah. yeah. So this, he, he actually, this was, he actually recorded this as I'm sure you, you looked up over four sessions. It was done at the record plant studio uh, in front of like a small audience. So they basically set up this little studio to be like a, a bar slash diner like a little like midnight bar and over four sessions you get this basically a live album i mean he's introing every song he's the audience is is not subbed out of the mix they're in the mix they're laughing that you hear you hear glasses clinking you yeah. hear them like at, at some moments will be like yeah can I, get a, can, I get a, can I get an ashtray over here like, you know, those those small things like asking for an ashtray are like this. This album to me is an experience. It's something you put on and listen from beginning to end. You don't skip around right. and you make you make a night out of it. It's very difficult not to be completely enveloped in this 
world that Tom Waits creates. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, you, you hit the nail right on the head. You can't, this is something you can't, you know, just click a couple songs off of Spotify. Yeah. You know, um, in, in preparation to tonight, I think I listened to Nighthawks um, probably three times in a row today. And never did I just say, oh, I'm going to listen, just listen to this track. Or I went, no, you, you have to start from the beginning yep. and let it go through because yep. it is an experience. It's a world. It's just a, a, a an atmosphere that he creates that to me and, and obviously to you is so magnetic. You it, know? It, yeah, it is. And I have a hard time. Uh, bringing this record up to people because it is kind of niche as far as this is this is a it, it's a mix of a lot of things but it stands on its own as kind of the the instrumentals like it, it's I, I i don't think you can listen to this album casually in a sense that and get what Tom wants you to get from this or to get the experience from it. it, it you can't be kind of like doing some computer work and have Nighthawks on the background. It's like, <laughs> no, you're sitting in like a dimly lit room with like a scotch or like you're, you know, whatever it is. It's also a hard album to listen to in the daytime. I find oh. uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fit it a, a, as well as opposed to like uh, an, an evening or late night. Listen, like when you, maybe you, you go out and have a few drinks, you come back early from the bars you're still up. You're like, oh, I, you know, I could do, I could do a nightcap, put some Nighthawks on, and you're listening to the whole album. You know, like a, an hour later, you're you're in this album, and it's it's melancholy but uplifting. There's melancholy songs on here, but there's also uplifting ones, uh, and he finds a way to mix them both. So, let's talk about, let's go through a couple tracks here. Um, as far as uh, uh, was this your first? Nighthawks listen all the way through. It's been a long time. Yeah. So what is, what struck out to you in this listen as a song that really appealed to you? I know they kind of run into each other. So sometimes it is hard to separate, you know, one song from another, especially with the intros and that kind of similar baseline. That's kind of just like popping through there. Um, hold on. I will tell you as soon as I get my notes together. Uh, But one of the things that that did strike me was um, I just okay, like you said, that he intros every song. But not only is it an intro, but it's it's somehow like pulls you into it. It it, it keeps you from skipping. You know, like like it's 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 part monologue and part introduction. Um, it, I don't know. It, I, I well, to, an example for that, like his first song is "Emotional Weather Report," and he has this long intro. And then, when you look at the lyrics, I'm looking at the the vinyl here. The lyric starts off with "Late night and early morning clouds," but like there is this little preface before it. Like he has this whole story, but the the intro actually starts with the song goes into what we're talking about and then it goes into the lyrics then it then it transitions into the song so it's like what we're talking about is late night and early morning below clouds you know so mm-hmm. it just seamlessly just devolves into this this song 
So it's hard to tell when an intro begins and a uh, intro ends and a song begins. And plus, how much of that do you think is improv? Because like he he'll he'll say something like that part where he says uh, uh, he talks about um, um, taking advantage of yourself. And then, and then yeah, he, I'm just sitting back and ended up taking advantage of myself. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then he goes, oh, I didn't do anything weird. And like I t- tied myself up or anything. And then he yeah. laughed at his own joke. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. and I'm like, oh, and he, he responds to the audience. Oh, even, even there too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I think I'm like, gosh, is that really like that guy's mind is in this era? Yeah. You know, like it's just the way he thinks. But anyway, I think it's set time. up to answer your question before you go into it. I think oh, it's sure. set up. He, he, he's so vaudeville, right? He's so yeah, such a vaudeville much. foreigner that he's he's got his beats. He knows that he's going to be ta- doing this masturbation joke before the song, but it's not going to be the same way every time. He's going to have a few beats in it, you know, uh, but it's going to differ. I'm sure if man, I would love an uncut version of every night of this of this performance. <laughs> Anyways, what were you going to go into? Anyway, so I think this time around, um, the the song um, Warm Beer and Cold Women stood out to me mm-hmm. uh, more than, than anything else did for some yeah. reason. Um, That's weird that, that, you, that you say that because I have different favorite experiences every time, but that one really struck out to me. Um, I'll, and I'll let you uh, talk about what you wanted to talk about it with, but I just wanted to read because that was what I had bookmarked on here to read the opening so you get a sense of this album. Warm beer and cold women, I just don't fit in. It's just how it's been tonight. It's all these double knit strangers with their gin and vermouth and recycled stories in the Nagahide booths with the platinum blondes and the tobacco brunettes. I'll be drinking to forget you, light another cigarette. And the band's playing something by Tammy Wynette, and the drinks are on me tonight. Using words like Nagahide booths, right? Double knit strangers, platinum blondes, tobacco brunettes. I mean, like, I get goosebumps just thinking about his imagery. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one, it's funny that, that you say that about, about the imagery. Um, and I don't want to, it just reminded me of something in, in the movie that, that you're, that you just talked about is it's almost like there was a scene in in diner when it pans around and you see the ketchup bottles, um, emptying into themselves. And, and I think about it, I'm like, that has to be a detail somebody insisted on having because they were there because in the, you know, in the eighties, well, maybe not in the eighties, but maybe in the late eighties, they had, you know, you can't do that with squeeze bottles, mm-mm, mm-mm. you know, we, we, in, the, in the service industry, we call it marrying the ketchups at the end of the night. Like someone had to marry the ketchups. Yeah. And, and you don't have to do that anymore because there, you just squeeze them all. Yeah. But, and, and that, that reminds me of like what you said, this, you know, he had to have been there to describe this kind of stuff. Yeah. to to you you know he he had to have been in these situations um well it's also like you talked about the ketchup which was a, a not only do we see it there in diner in that brilliant shot that i that really i focused on as well but we also have fennec you know using the ketchup bottle taking it out of the diner carrying it around with him and i, I think in the same way that levinson uses these very 
uh, branded kind of brandy common items that are very unromantic, Levinson and Tom Waits turn them into these romantic things. Like Tom Waits isn't afraid to use like branding. Like he'll talk about Burma shave in later albums or, you know, he'll throw in, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, what the name of a particular type of beer or the name of a sandwich, uh, a popular sandwich name at a deli, you know, uh, are, are these type of things. They're, there are these very commonplace blue collar images that he turns into these idealistic romantic images. Yeah. And it's nothing, he's, he's not, nothing's high class for him. It's all about taking the low and elevating the low or elevating the, the, the common brands, what, what's consumed. And I, and I think he's brilliant at that. Yeah. It's definitely, it, it, he has a way of romanticizing it for sure yeah what else what else stood out to you on this album um gosh man i don't know <laughs> we've already talked yeah. about yeah um it's the, the storytelling aspect something like putnam county where he's telling a story about a whole county uh uh is phantom 309 on this one as well um i don't believe no so. no no that's on a different one or maybe an extent oh yeah uh big joe and phantom 309 is is on oh yeah 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 for the album so uh songs like putnam county and phantom 309 about this kind of phantom truck that you know patrols the highways and the story that goes with it big joe and phantom 309 it's this late night dj story that he's telling and he's putting the music and so i love this late night DJ, it's like there's something that you would hear in a diner, like the radio we playing, and you know it's the early hours of the morning, so you're getting like the the late night DJ. So you're eating your eggs and your <laughs> or your you know whatever it is, and and you're and you're listening to late night sounds of Jimmy Wolf on the radio. You know, I love that. Yeah, no, it's it's um. See, here's the thing, I think you you got what tom waits is trying to do because like you said you were you were a fan of of sinatra of of jack kerouac of the 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 beatnik culture the 60s beatnik or, or 50s beatnik culture and i was kind of going through the same thing when when i saw this um you know my my boss was was Tell me about you know the uh, cool jazz like West Coast cool jazz like, um, gosh like, uh, like come on like, Daddy O let's get snapping baby like yeah like like the, like early Miles Davis um, like Chet Baker you know uh, Bill Evans just all that like that really like just nightclub um, jazz like you know yeah. and um like that real like mellow jazz that yeah it reminded me of uh, uh that thing you do uh, where uh the drummer goes to that late night jazz bar and i forget like one of his heroes is playing on there and they're they're talking about like nah like what real jazz is you got to be in a place like this or else it's not <laughs> real jazz man yeah st stuff like that it's and so we we kind of gravitated to we heard it and we knew what it was about we knew what he was trying to do we got it but how like how well do you think it's this something like this is received by somebody in like their you know 
uh, early twenties, you know, right. could, could someone get into this if you don't know where he's coming from? I think if I was going to sell this, if I, if I really thought like, you know, um, if I really thought like a young person, I'm like, Hey, I think you're going to dig this. I would, I would set him up with like, I'd try to find like, like a live concert of it. I think when you see Tom Waits performing it in the style, it helps kind of put you in that zone, that kind of vaudeville zone. But it really, I hate to say it, but it is a bit intellectualized. Mm -hmm. This, this sound of Tom Waits, this, this album in particular is a bit of an intellectual record as far as, um, the 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 band isn't doing anything too dynamic so you're not it's not like a dancing you know like it's not even a driving in your car song it's not even something you can put on your car so the tricky part would be is if someone's gonna listen to it they have to kind of be in the right frame of mind and they have to have to be in the right environment to listen to it not the car not at the gym not that and it's really tough to get young people to sit down and listen to an album like that. We don't give we don't give albums the time to breathe. We're always doing something, listening to singles, flipping around Spotify, uh, uh, going through a cure uh, a playlist that someone else curated. But to sit and give an album time is something that we don't do anymore. And this album in particular is how you have to do that, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and, and I think also when. The music that we listen to, you know, the the, the music that was pop, e even take something like like grunge, like mid '90s grunge. You know, when it was when it was huge, when everybody was you know wearing Doc Martens and, and shorts and flannel shirts, and those guys always wore their influences on their sleeves. They always made sure, you know, everyone knew where they came from. You know, oh, well, we listen to all of this. This is where we come from. And it made you want to go back and say, oh, you know, Eddie better listen to Thin Lizzy. You know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, let me listen to that. Or, you know, uh, uh, Kurt Cobain really liked, you know, whatever, the, the Sex Pistols or something, you know, and then you go back and you want to you want to check all that stuff out. It, it wasn't something that was antiquated that, ew, your crusty old you know, grandma used to listen to that. Why would I yeah. listen to that? You know, I remember reading a, a, an interview with Larry Livermore from, uh, from Lookout Records saying that he listened to Frank Sinatra. And so it made you want to go back. You know, they were never afraid to say, yeah, this is what I listened to. Nowadays, does it seem like, like stuff of yesteryear is, is, is very important. Right. You know, it's like, well, forget all that stuff. There were, you know, this is, this is now this Pe is... people tend to go horizontal and look for contemporaries of something they like, as opposed to going vertical and looking, looking back at where this came from. If, uh, if you listen to something like, oh, like a Childish Gambino album, you're like, I really like this. This is new stuff. It's coming out. It's great. You look for, um, you know, like who else is doing this right now? As opposed to being like, well, where did this come from? Right. So I'm, I'm not. If I go back, I'm not going to get this, this sound, but I'll get pieces of this sound. And a lot of people, I think, are just like, give me more of this sound. Yeah, 
yeah i mean you go back and you know oh you know what whatever uh you know funkadelic or um gosh you know wilson pickett you know or what you know yeah you you can even hear the the samples in there and like oh wow that's but yeah i I don't think it's valued anymore and and that's why it pains me to think that stuff like this will lose its value you know yeah well, we 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 talked about diner. We talked about Nighthawks of the diner. So let's kind of put it together and into our our diner experience. So I mean, we consumed like these. It were there's certainly a certain tone here between the film Diner and uh, especially the diner scenes in Diner and Nighthawks at the diner. Um, you know, it all goes back to that uh, that painting where Tom Waits got that that Edward, which I love. I would I I've been I've been trying to pull the trigger on like a framed print of this is the um edward hopper's 1942 painting nighthawks uh at the diner uh or uh, you know it's that it's that diner window it's got like two people sitting next to it the guy's got the hat on i love it but it's too corny it's like having a scarface poster in your house so <laughs> but to me like um when i think about a diner one of the things i love about a diner world is the unexpected can happen in a diner it, it's 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 a common place. It's a very common place where unexpected things can happen, where strangers meet, where friends meet. And it's it's cheap. There's a cheapness to it as well. I think that's I think that's a key to a diner, is that it's a cheap place to spend your time. You know, it's so not some bougie yeah. bar. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Unpretentious. unpretentious that's what always comes yeah. to me. You know, it's it's like you said, you can go in there and order a full meal and stay there all night or you can stay go in there by yourself and drink coffee all night yeah. by you know when you're on long road trips they're safe havens when you go into a new city it's a place to go and just be even if you're not there to make friends it's a way to feel less lonely you can be a, you can be alone and not, it's a place to go to be alone and not alone sometimes right uh when i travel to new cities and i'm like off the plane and i'm jet lagged like i'll go find an all night diner and i'll sit there and you know, drink some coffee, just look around. There's always kind of stories going on uh, left and right with uh, uh, in a diner. Um, mm-hmm. What's your favorite? What's your go-to diner order? Um, my, it, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, um, other than pie. <laughs> uh, well, other than pie and burger, um, I meatloaf. I have it. Yep, meatloaf. That's the place to go. Yeah. <laughs> meatloaf there's something about like cheap diner meatloaf man you, you just smother that thing with ketchup yeah I, I, at one point tom talks about in his album he goes smothered in campbell's tomato soup yeah, again yeah. using that branding of campbell's it's not it's not tomato soup it's campbell's smothered in campbell's tomato soup and you're just <laughs> like i got hungry i just like listening to that that those lyrics um i go that club sandwiches are always a good thing to go to um What's another good um, diner food? Fries. You can't beat diner fries. Um, that yeah. type of thing. Um, Chili any, fries. In 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 the movie Diner, they talk about a pastrami sandwich. He's like, "Are you gonna? If you're not gonna finish all that, like I'll eat it. But if you're gonna finish it, and he's holding this thick ass pastrami sandwich, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, I want a pastrami sandwich <laughs> so bad right now. And gravy fries. 
They were always ordering gravy fries. What do you think about those diners that are like makeshift diners that are like the retro fifties diners, like the chains, like where they really deck it out? Well, so uh, were you, did you live here when Ed DeBevix was here? It sounds familiar. It was kind of cheesy and it was, it was kind of a manufactured fifties. They have uh, the, um, the jukebox things at the table that you can flip through and yeah. yeah. And then, and then every now and again, the, you know, the, the waiters would like all sing and dance and they and, wear like the, the pink, like almost poodle skirt, like old, old waitress like, diner outfit. Yeah, yeah. Like Alice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, but there was another place, um, and, it, and first of all, in Phoenix, or in central Phoenix where I grew up, there was a lot of, there weren't a lot of places that, that were open all night other than Denny's. Um, but there was a place on, uh, it was like 16th Street in Calvac called Five and Diner. And it was kind of manufactured to, to look like an old-timey diner. But because it was open all night, it drew kind of a, an actual kind of seedy crowd sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it gave the, it gave it just an, an actual authentic diner feel because yeah. of that. Yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a demographic. I mean, it really doesn't matter if it was set up as a corporate thing or not. It's the community is going to turn it into what it is. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's an important uh, a thing for a diner. I used to like going to diners. I'm the opposite of you. Uh, as a kid, we'd go to like those diner type meetup places, but that's where we'd meet up, fuel up, and then go. It's kind of um, like, you know, because we didn't have, you know, no cell phones. So you needed, if you're like going to spend the night with people in different groups, you meet in one place, and then you kind of break off. Sometimes you end up back there. Sometimes you just spend the whole night there, but it was a, it was a good place to meet up. Yeah. yeah yeah that's funny yeah yeah opposite well that's kind of like I, you know i i had a good i had a good time on this kind of bonsai adventure going into the 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 kind of as tom waits would say the naga hide booth world of diners and and it just made me it made me nostalgic for my own experience in those places um there is you know i i, I didn't get a family vibe in my visit to the diner this week, I, I, it, it felt, I felt nostalgic for the, the, the guys or like the romantic lonely times in places like this. And so that's, yeah. that's kind of what I left this, this, this wave with is, is kind of just this like, Oh man, like I almost feel like I can go out there and find those things. I can go to diners. Those still exist. I can, I can, I can recreate those experiences. I can have new experiences, but there was kind of a melancholy uh, nostalgia for maybe a time like the guys in the diner that I'm just not going to get back anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, but definitely means it. Yeah. You, you can go to the, the same place. that you used to go to and yeah, it's just it's a whole new meaning at this yeah. point in life. So yeah, that was our our our, our exploration into our little diner adventure. Um, next week, uh, uh, next episode, Jay. Um, I think you pick the package. Uh, I think we're gonna do uh, lunch house. I think it starts with one of our entrees is Ghost World. What else? What else we got on? What else you got packed up for us? Um, what was it? So we're gonna watch Ghost World. We're gonna listen to some some uh, some blues. 
yeah. and talk about some of our um some of our, our public transportation adventures yeah 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 public so we're gonna we're gonna sit down and we're gonna listen to some uh uh vinyl like actually sit down go through our vinyl collections and and put some on and and talk about that experience of flipping a record you know maintaining your vinyl uh, uh collecting it uh and you know a big part of ghost world is so like you know you know transit and, and all that stuff like that so that's our next adventure thank you guys if you if you are tuned in for the full episode and and if you uh want to go out there diner's easy to to find uh on any pretty much platform uh same with uh, nighthawks you can you can get it on spotify or you can buy it um so i guess that means that surfs up on this bonsai adventure uh but we'll catch you next wave bonsai